We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too bad. That was good. Roll on. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there, welcome to Eurostep Podcast Network. We are back breaking down the Bucks and Celtics series after Milwaukee convincingly won game one. We are going to draft the most important players or entities uh, for each team heading into game two. It's going to be a fun draft. I am Ty Windish, one of the hosts of the Eurostep Podcast, joined as always by my um, cleanly co-host Rohan Kadi. Also joined by winning sixes, Adam McGee and our special guest, Justin Superbuck. We're hoping to add another Emmy to his collection with this production. We'll see. But fellas and Justin, how's it going? Oh, you're a fella as well. But Justin, you go first. How's it going? This is this is a true honor. I've always described your podcast as like the Thanksgiving dinner of podcasts. Like when I see a two-hour just drop. I'm just like this. It's a joy to me. So it, it's a big honor to be on here. I appreciate. I appreciate that uh, you guys do what you do. So happy to be here, and I'm doing well. I'm doing very well now. Oh my goodness, that was nice. We've the honor is all ours. Yeah, yeah. We got a content king on our side here. The Marcus Smart video is so good. Oh my goodness. How long? Did it's, take? The, it's the best. I edited it on my phone. It's the best thing I've ever edited on my phone. And I was like, I'm just gonna crap this out. You know, that's kind of <laughs> it. And sometimes there's magic to limitations. So it's like some little app. I'm like adding sound effects. I'm like, this could be art. I'm like filming on my projector screen, so it looks all stupid. But that thing went. That thing went wild. And so it's funny because I didn't even pick up all. It's all his flops. And and even if some people will say, oh, it's a foul, whatever. It's like, how does Drew Holiday hits you once? You don't move at all. Drew Holiday sits you a second time. What's it about that second time that makes you just explode? Like, I don't know. You suddenly you just become weak the second time. Like, I, it doesn't make any sense. So thankfully, my video is getting some real traction exposing the defensive, the, the defensive flopper of the year. And um, yeah, I'm glad to have done that. It really, I'm surprised people, like there are not more videos like this. I'm sure there are somewhere. 
And for anyone who has heard me, I've been uh, I've been getting a lot of mileage out of Amemiers from about ten days ago, a couple of weeks ago. You had some great work related to Alex Crusoe. That's all I'll say. Oh, if anyone God. still doesn't know what that's oh. about, they can go to at Justin Superbook and they will be able to find it. But I've had almost two weeks of fun out of that now. So thank you, Justin. I'm glad I could provide that. That, that, that. I mean, I just always call him penis head guy. And I just I just can't you can't unsee it. The little headband is like a little, you know, shadow striation. You guys, we're all fellas here. We know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I that, think, you know, that's the joy of it. I forgot you made that one, too. We're going to cut this short. I think we're good. I think we can wrap. No, I'm just kidding. It was funny. Um, our playback chat got way too much mileage, but it was good. I but. got a lot of heat, and I said, it's listen, this is Justin's creation. <laughs> Justin has put out in the world. I just think as many people as possible need to see it. People hate Moist Jordan, too, so there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> okay, we were the first Moist Jordan certified pod, if I remember correctly. So That is correct. You are. When we're honored to, to have that certification. Okay, let's let's get into the draft. Justin is on the clock. We're starting with Bucks players or entities that we think will be most important in game two. Uh, and then we'll do Celtics. That will be the next round after that. And the draft order is Justin, Adam, Rohan, me. Our guest obviously gets to go first. This is a true Midwestern and Irish podcast. And <laughs> then our, we're ordering it on our bold predictions. So Adam called they would win game one. That wins. Rohan saying Marcus Smart will be exposed. That literally happened thanks to Justin. Less provable than Adams, though, so he goes Not as second. much as Alex Caruso, just so that. <laughs> Ooh, um, and then yeah. uh, Wes has not scored 25. Giannis has not really guarded Tatum, so I am going last. But um, I, I hope we're done with the Caruso jokes for now. I know we're not. But, Justin, you're on the clock. Who would you like to draft for the most important buck in game two? I've got the number one pick. It's pretty obvious it's going to be an Antetokounmpo. Thanasis is obviously the most crucial uh, of both of the of our fine Greek players. His sideline reactions, if they're subpar in game two, I'm sorry. The Bucks are not going to win. The energy, the fire, the enthusiasm, I don't care who's playing. I don't care if he gets zero minutes. I don't care. I mean, you know, if he gets one minute at the very, very end. If the Nassus does not bring his reaction game, the Bucks are sunk. Take him off the board. Sorry, everyone else. He's gone. <laughs> the one you wanted, the Nassus. Rohan is literally having this to tear up his, his draft board. <laughs> I just, I mean, you took my number one pick. But, like, you're not wrong. You're preaching to the choir here with me. Like, I don't know about these two, but I completely agree with you. The bench reactions, him, Lindell Wigginton, have been carrying the vibes for the Bucks over this playoff run and the end of the regular season stretch. Because of that, you can tell this is the most energetic bench mob that the Bucks have had in a long, long time. And they feed off that energy. They really do. So it's not even, it's not a joke. The Gnosis is very important. I love this take. That's I don't want to say too much because it will feed into my picks. I'll tell you, if you've got anything on Thanasis at number one here, you I far mean, away. Is it a bold number one pick? Yes, but fortune favors the bold. And I think there's something there. I will say, was it last playoffs we got quotes from Giannis about how T.A. is like coaching him up, telling him to be more aggressive, everything else. Like that is that is very meaningful. I think that might even be bigger than the bench energy of like him getting in Giannis's ear, particularly with tips, getting more aggressive, taking over. You know, the Nassus might be 
the, the true secret weapon, a true secret, two, maybe two secrets to ever uncover, but he's there. Okay, so Tanasis was was a true no-brainer at number one. We we all saw that one coming. <laughs> there was no other option on the board. I'm going to go with a slightly hotter take here for number two. It feeds into this. Of course, Tanasis is most important to the books. As the books want to win game two, Tanasis has got to really, really be into it in the sidelines. What's the best way to do that? It might be to get his uh, his lesser-known brother, Giannis Antetokounmpo, going. So I got to go with Giannis uh, for most important player, just to keep this somewhat on the rails. Uh, for the Bucks going into game two, we talked a lot about Giannis on the post-game one pod. I, uh, you know, Rohan has officially been deemed a hater for not rating the self alley-oop highly enough. I, Twitter has spoken, Rohan. Um, they haven't. Well, the, some people on Twitter have spoken. Whatever. Adam, you got to poll tweet it. You got to poll it up. Jake Reed saying good idea. it's legendary is a point in your favor, but you need more data. That's all. I'll do it right after right after we finish here. I'm sure Rohan will be delighted about that. Uh, but yeah, it's Giannis is already looking pretty comfortable in this series in a lot of ways. He's controlling the game with his passing. Um, his defense is right where you'd like it to be. His just overall kind of leadership and taking control of the series was what we would hope for but as a lot of people have touched on we didn't even see a fraction of what he can do he can be much more efficient as a shooter he missed quite a few easy shots in close that we don't see very often and then there is also the element that's a factor in every book's playoff series which is you might catch Giannis off a little bit in game one with what you throw at him defensively he figures that out really really quickly so whether it's the Jalen Brown looks he gets, which I don't think caused him too much trouble, or the Al Horford uh, minutes where Al Horford did have some success in slowing him down, like we have seen him before react to Al Horford having a successful game, one against him defensively. I'm looking for that again in game two. And if he does, I mean, the books are going to win. It's as simple as that. It's just <laughs> wild to think like Giannis with the nap, like that is going to make a huge difference because even though I saw a recent um, tweet that was saying the Bucks actually have, have been better in those early games than we all thought, which is pretty surprising to me. Still, I think Giannis struggles without his nap and arrested Giannis is going to absolutely like obliterate the Celtics. And I, I for what I'm excited for it. Yeah, maybe he'll actually just go out there and dunk all those layups he missed if he has the rest. That, that would be welcomed. I, I do think, too, in addition to just Giannis playing better, I wonder how much of last time and potentially this time against Horford, there's going to be a Al Horford just getting worn the hell down factor. Like, I think Giannis, I, I'd like him to hold up physically over the course of a series more than 35-year-old Al Horford. I think he's 35. I'm hoping not doing the ageism thing. I did the Miami Heat before the season, which has kind of held up if you look at how they're doing right now. But I digress. Um, I, I do wonder how much it'll be Giannis figuring it out, which all will happen. And just Horford being like, okay, I can't do this for 20 minutes a game anymore. Like, you guys need to find someone who's not an NBA octogenarian for this, please. For sure. <clears throat> okay, is it, is it my turn to pick? You're on the it's clock. Your turn. Okay. I'm going to go with someone. My first pick's gone. Uh, thanks, Justin. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with Bobby Portis here. Uh, he, was, he had a decent game one. Uh, what, what did he have? Uh, 15 points on 12 shots, hit some threes. He was playing good, decent, decent enough defense. But that's the thing for me. Is he going to be able to be targeted in this series? 
does Boston have the personnel capable of targeting him in this series? That's what I'm going to be looking for a lot in game two, because the Celtics are going to be trying to find any sort of kink in the Bucks defensive armor in game two that they could not come close to penetrating in game one. So who's the immediate link is Bobby Portis. Is he going to be able to hold up? Or is he going to be targeted? He's going to need to hold his ground, stand up, and also be a point of emphasis on offense as well. So Bobby Portis for me. I think what was interesting is that is that I saw Dean Maniat post that like, you know, the Bucks were too small. They don't have big wings, but it seems to me like Bobby is filling some of that Chris role, which is just which is just huge because he brings size, he brings intensity, he is hitting all kinds of threes. Like I, I, without that piece and the energy he brings, like I don't know. I think it would be a, a totally different series. I, I think there's gonna be a game this series. There may be multiple games, but I certainly think there's going to be one where it's there for a Bucks role player to absolutely go off from, from three-point range and make six, seven, maybe even eight triples. I think Bobby can be that guy as much as given how Grayson has played recently. I think a lot of attention will go to him. I think Bobby is very, very capable of that, and he does create something of an, an interesting matchup issue for the Celtics. There are definitely ways where they'll feel quite comfortable in it and like the idea maybe it was the favorable matchup that Amy Adoka uh, spotted before the series and was speaking with so much confidence about but on the, the opposite end of the floor he does as as you just touched on Justin because of his size because of the slightly unconventional lineup the books are going to Chris out he creates some problems there too and if you get one of these games where his shooting is dialed in and he's aggressive and confident inside that will be a real problem. Bobby being Bobby, he may just save that until he gets back to Pfizer form to really revel in all of it. Uh, but it wouldn't shock me if, if he comes out with a really big game too either. Yeah, I think figuring out what exactly Bobby is positionally to the Milwaukee Bucks is kind of a fascinating conversation. We could do a whole show on in itself because he went from an option at the five to a four slash five. So now essentially like a three slash four in a lot of these lineups and it's just worked. I think it works because no one plays a traditional position. They all play, you know, what do you do around Giannis? The Bucks are a very odd, unique team in terms of positions, but it's really a testament to him that they've asked a lot of different stuff from him. Some has not gone great playing the five, maybe not, but he, they don't ask that anymore and he's adapted and just fills that role. So I like that pick a lot, Rohan. I think mine is not... Uh, it's not a player I'm expecting that much different from, but I still think they're very important. Can't believe he fell to me. At number four, I will take Brooke Lopez, who I may have taken if I had number one. It's him or TA, it was a toss-up. But the the <laughs> defense... I knew it. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you sniped that one early. But the, the backline defense is so big. I think offensively, he could really be involved even more. And I think that's something that we probably will see, especially if Boston tries to go a little smaller to get their own offense going. But I think what Brooke provides defensively on the glass is so huge. I think you could argue he is anywhere from three to one on the important scale for the buck in this, for the bucks in this series, one, maybe too important, but in this matchup, he is certainly right up there. And I expect to see that same level of defensive energy from Brooke. I think it's great that they won decisively. It felt like he was out there a lot. He only logged like 28 minutes. So that's good to not use him too much too early this playoffs. But I'm really happy to get Brooke in this thing. And like, you know, you, the, the touted Celtics defense, 
Like we didn't have Brooke for like basically the whole season. And it is just like, as soon as he got added back, like the whole team just changed. Like the joy, seeing the fear in people's eyes when they drive to the lane and then you have Brooke or Giannis just standing there. Like that gives me so much happiness and it happens every single time. And so having him back was just like, not only makes the Bucks so much more fun to watch, but so much more scary on defense. And I, I, I'm sure they would have been the top defensive team if he would have been around the whole season. It's just like crazy people don't consider the massive impact that he makes. Yeah, John Schumann from NBA.com had a stat earlier that the Bucks only won two games in the regular season um, when scoring 100 points for 100 possessions or fewer. And they have two in the postseason now after the other day. And it's like, yeah, it's Brooke Lopez. It's like the books are back. They're they're back to being the books they were before that, which is they can at times play some of the ugliest basketball you may ever see. Um, they'll make it very stressful for everyone, including all of us. But they will find a way to will themselves to a win. Like that's what Brooke opens up for you. The thing I'm actually maybe most interesting because I just I'm fully bought in and believe that there's a, a guaranteed place for Brooke and his defense in this series. And he's crucial to helping the books to, to come out of it as the winners. I think there's more offense to come from. I, I think particularly depending on what they do with Giannis, how they work out some of the, the question marks that are probably still there in terms of who plays on ball, when who plays off ball, when with Chris out, you know, if Brooke can find himself in the right spots, something I flagged up before the series, I would like to see him kind of pull out to the corners a little bit. You know, and that's a shot that he's really, really good at. I think it will be there for him against the Celtics. And again, much like Bobby with the, the lineup the Celtics are putting out there and with what the books are asking them um, in terms of challenges with their own group, he's a tough matchup and there's going to be some weird and awkward matchups. And Brooke gets a mismatch. The books have got to find them and allow him to go to work. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. 
We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Chase Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. For sure. Always got to support the big guys. Got to support the big guys. All right. So, is so that round one done. Round one is over. We're heading to round two quickly before round two, wherever you're listening or watching this, please subscribe. We really do appreciate it. Whether it's YouTube, this may go on the pod platforms as well. So wherever you're consuming this content, please give us a subscribe and follow us all on Twitter. They're on the screen here, but at Justin Superbuck, at Adam McGee 11, at Arcadi Jr., at Ty Windish. Okay. The plug is over. Round two has begun. The most important Boston Celtics player slash entities. Justin, you're on the clock. This one is just so obvious. Again, I'm sorry. I'm stealing. I'm ruining your, I'm blowing up your boards. I'm popping in here. I'm ruining it all for you. The number one most important Celtics entity is the floor of the Celtics. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> because this, if there wasn't a floor there, the Boston Celtics players would just be falling into the abyss constantly. This is where they spend most of their time because their only way of stopping Giannis or really any other player is basically spending half of the game laying on the floor, injuring themselves, whatever. If they did not have that floor, I don't think the Celtics defense would have any chance to stop anyone. If they were forced to stay upright, it would be completely over. So the Boston Celtics floor is the top pick. And everyone, I see everyone writing down. They have to rearrange their list. You know, I saw it. That's why I said entity. We're in flux. Um, so if, if they can't, if Marcus Smart could not flop, I just don't understand how he would function as a player. So take it off the board, guys. That's it. Done. And I think I mean, complete you know, agreements. I mean, I don't know if the Celtics could play in this series without a floor. I mean, think about it too. Lucky is also represented on the floor, and we know how oh. important Lucky is to the Boston Celtics and to Adam in a different way uh, of importance. But, you know, no Lucky, no ability to flop. I don't know what they'd do. Oh, wow. That is that is a good answer. Taking away the ability to flop. Oof. Oof. I like it. I they, thought you were going to just go lucky in general. I was expecting lucky no. too for some reason. No, got to be. No, I think it was I zigged, I zigged, I zigged again. That was it, guys. That's how I work. That All is right. Oh, over to me. Yeah, um, the, the Celtics only have a high ceiling because of their floor. I had to get one more. And go ahead, Adam. You're on the clock. I got to go with Jason Tatum. The floor will be very important for Jason Tatum. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. But Jason Tatum will also be crucial to the Boston Celtics. Uh, I, I don't really have anything new here for anyone who's been watching our videos, who's been listening to our podcast up to this point. Like Jason Tatum, prove that you're you're serious. Like Prove that you are the player everyone wants to make out that you are. If he does it, this could be a very different series and we'll all kind of go, oh, well, look, that guy's really good and the Bucks are down one of their best players and this is the kind of thing that can happen. 
if he doesn't show up and we see anything close to game one or really what the books have just seen of Jason Tatum throughout his entire career up to this point, it's not going to be enough to get past Giannis. It's simple as that. So from a Celtics perspective, and again, I'm not, I'm not looking at the pick on Jason Tatum. I'm not making fun of Jason Tatum. It's just the way it is. If the Celtics want to have a chance this series. He's got to be so much better than at this moment it appears he is. Like going up against a Nets team that was not um, exactly the most resilient, not the stingiest defensively, and against Kevin Durant, who was clearly exhausted having, you know, had to carry the team through the part-time eligibility of its other star players for much of the season. That's very different to going up against Giannis, going up against Brooke, going up against Drew, Wes Matthews. Like, it goes on and on. And he's got a lot to prove. And if he can't prove it, well, then the Celtics aren't even in the conversation. It's it's going to be pretty easy for the books. Like, you just know, just like DeRozan in the last series, you know Tatum's going to have some crazy game, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel like he's going to drop 40 or what, or whatever. But it, it, the key will be like, and, I, and the Bucks could have run, won that like huge DeRozan game too. I feel like they were in in the contention for it. So I feel like even if Tatum has a huge game, based on how just the makeup of these teams and, and game one, uh, the Bucks could probably withstand it, and it just is kind of it. And he probably would just drift away into oblivion after that floor or not. Um, so yeah, I mean, they don't have a lot going on unless they unless he's doing unless he's cooking. And even with one big game, does he have four? Because without him, the Celtics aren't getting a single game that isn't a Jason Tatum big game is what it feels like right now. Then so. you need Pritchard to step up, right? You know, <laughs> you, that's, that's the real life. I don't want to take him off the board for now. <laughs> I will say Fast, for, for for Tatum, it seems like the, uh, the Bucks are dedicating a ton of energy to him and attention to him as they should. But I think you got to credit Wes and Drew for really just being phenomenal in game one of defending without fouling. I think the DeRozan comp is a good one in that sense, too, in terms of if you can get Tatum off of the foul line and make him hit the shots, he's less likely to beat you with a huge offensive game. He's going to make some tough shots. We saw that in game one, just clearly not enough of them. But, yeah, definitely credit to those guys and, and the Bucks with the approach they've taken to not let Jason Tatum look like that guy. Yeah, he can't be. Like you said, Adam, they need him to be that in order to win. They can't let him look like that. <clears throat> but for that reason, and what you said, Ty, about the Bucks dedicating a lot of resources towards him, my pick is Jalen Brown. You got me. You, you boomed me. He needs to do something. He needs to do literally anything productive for the Boston Celtics. Because what did he do? 12 points on 13 shots. He was a non-factor on defense. He was a non-factor on offense. He needs to provide something. He's the second star. He needs to be the second banana, the co-star at times. He's been that against the Bucs in history, like in previous years. He's torched the Bucs in the past. He needs to be that guy for the Celtics again, for them to have any sort of semblance of a chance because he can help cover up for the mistakes that Tatum makes. And for the times that Tatum doesn't necessarily show up. Jalen Brown needs to have that ability to show up for the Celtics Celtics to even have a chance. It like kills me to say this, especially with MJ back there, but he's kind of playing like early bowl series, Chris Middleton, where he's just like, he's just, he's a net negative in a lot of ways. And like with so much upside or whatever, but like, there were some pretty sad, there's been some pretty sad Middleton no-show stat lines where you're like, just give us like 
20 points, like give us something. And I think he went into more moist than Jordan <laughs> and it, oh you see how it hurts the team. And that's, and, and that, uh, that to me, it make it hurts my heart. I love moist Jordan, but that's the vibe I get from him in that first. He had seven turnovers in game one. Like aside from not being able to shoot the ball, seven turnovers for Jalen Brown. I know the Celtics are weird and they're kind of non-traditional point guard and making smart that. So he handles the ball a little bit more, but considering the books had turnover problems, they didn't have any one individual player really come that close to it. Giannis with five was the closest it got. Uh, yeah, they need something, but can he give it to him? Like literally health wise, he does not look like he has much kind of explosiveness. There's no real burst of speed there. And with that, it gets pretty tough. Like, he actually looks like I'd imagine the old version of him to look in like 10 years from now. That's what he looked like in game one. So whether his uh, whether his hamstring can have a very quick recovery, it seems unlikely. And he looks a lot better coming into game two. That could be crucial on that. But yeah, right now it's a tough, tough scene for Jalen Brown. Yeah, I think the early Bulls Chris Comp is there. I also saw Twitter comparing Jalen Brown to... Celtics series Chris Middleton, a.k.a. no impact, which is a tough scene, but I, I kind of get where they're coming from. Um, it, it is, it is, it's hard to know how much that hamstring is playing into it. And I think part of it too is the Bucks defense is making it tough for Jalen. They're only really allowing him threes. Is he going to be able to get comfortable in the mid range? That's going to be a big question. Certainly, it's really hard to drive against this huge Bucks team. And I think he found that out in game one. Um, he was seeing Giannis a lot too. Like, and that yeah. could be something from the book's perspective where they're like, okay, we're going to show Tatum a lot of attention and we have the other defenders to do that. But we can just completely shut Jalen Brown out of this game by putting Giannis on him. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened in game one. So if that continues to work, yeah, it's going to be really tough for Boston. I'm scrambling here. Uh, Rohan did boom me. You know, not entirely for content. I'm going to go with Fast PP. I just think that that is the kind of player who can sneak around the Bucks and put up a bunch of threes. He did. I think he took up there on the Celtics with most, most threes taken. I know he shot eight. He only made two of them. He kind of shot Boston out of the game in the early fourth quarter. But imagine if he didn't do that, if he made one or two of those threes, maybe there's a game at some point. The Celtics did pull to within 11 or 12 or so in the fourth quarter. They're going to need any really of these role players to hit some shots. And I think, you know, it helps that one of them is nicknamed Fast PP for me in this exercise. But I do think that is the kind of player that Boston needs to have a game to get back in this series. And especially if they're going to steal one in Milwaukee, which now they have to do, they're going to need some outlier shooting from someone who's, uh, you know, maybe not expected to do so. Wait, who's Fast PP? Did I miss it? <laughs> Peyton Pritchard. Oh, it is Pritchard. Okay. All right. All right. The weirdest nickname of all time. We found out uh, a listener told me or showed me on Twitter. That was his chosen Twitter handle when the Celtics drafted him. So that's why okay. uh, he's called that by some parts of Celtics Twitter now. Okay. I, I, I like that. And and I guess uh, as, I, as I sit here stunned, I'm just going to agree. <laughs> that's what I was going for. Um, his shot making ability is come and go as we saw in game one it's a bold pick from you Ty it should absolutely be Horford I acknowledge that it should be Horford I just <laughs> or even if it was a bench player I think Grant Williams would have yeah. been a 
I mean, I, I do understand in the sense that he does give you the theoretical ability to bring some instant offense. They need guard play. Like when, like when the books uh, drafted Rashad Vaughn with that. Yes, exactly. It's, it's very kind of of that ilk. You're like, oh, this guy can shoot. I uh, ultimately, I think the problem with Peyton Pritchard is I don't think he's that good. Yeah, that that does yeah. hurt. Um, I think that's an issue. Yeah, but if he has a game, he's had some games. He's one of those players. So if he has one of those games. I think you're making it worse for the Celtics than it is. That's not great, but I don't think they're quite at the, you know, we just need Peyton Pritchard no, to have a big game territory yet. It's clearly, it, the, the real answer is Horford, but it's just I can't turn down. Or, or smart after all of his <sighs> various injury stuff. I guess kind of for the same reason that I said Pritchard, right? Like if he just hits a bunch of threes, that would help them a lot. But I, I don't know. I just don't know how much more you can expect given the gauntlet he's currently being ran through. You can't pick smart. We, we already picked the floor, guys. Listen, <laughs> smart and the floor are kind of same. So. That's true. I thought I didn't need to say that, but that took them both off the board, all right? That's fair. Fair enough. Two birds, one stone. Absolutely. Um, incredibly fair. So everyone in, in the comments or on Twitter will have to let us know who, who won the draft. Uh, I think Justin, probably the early front runner, but uh, we, we... The Nassus and the floor. What a, <laughs> what a combo. What and a roster. Um, if you have any plugs, though, if you want to uh, share anything or, or let the people know or, or even just a message you'd like to impart uh, our viewers and listeners, the floor is yours. The floor is mine. I already drafted it, so please. Fair enough. Nice. Okay. Well, I guess that's it then. <laughs> uh, make sure you everyone go follow Justin at Justin Superbuck on Twitter. He does great stuff. Just content king over there. Thank you for hopping on with us, Justin. It's our pleasure. It's this has been great, and um, I I I won't be a stranger. If you guys want me back, I'll be here. I'm happy to be your wild card anytime you need it. Of course, of course. Thank you. Uh, make sure you follow the rest of us on Twitter. Make sure you leave a like and subscribe. Subscribe it on your pod platform of choice if this indeed is going up on the pod feed. Um, yeah, check out uh, the Substack. Check out the YouTube if you're not on the YouTube. Uh, pod Random. We'll talk to you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.